0: Are y'all ready for the
1: word?
0: Yes. Amen. Well, let us turn to the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 5. The Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 5. And we will start our reading at verse 27. Amen. Matthew chapter 5 starting at verse 27. Amen. Verse 27 reads, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. This morning for a few moments, I would like to talk with you from the thought who is an adulterer who is an adulterer you may be seated as we have in a few last few weeks uh, dealt with some other issues we're now coming back once again to our series of lessons on the life Of Jesus Christ And particularly We're looking with emphasis On the Sermon on the Mount And as we remember From times past That Matthew wrote the gospel His gospel To show Jesus as king He is the king Of a kingdom And the kingdom is called The kingdom of God There's the kingdom of this world and then there's the kingdom of God when Pilate asked Jesus are you a king Jesus told him rightly you say but my kingdom is not of this world if it were then my servants would have not allowed me to be delivered but my kingdom is not of this realm so this Begs the thought for every person who would name the name Jesus, who would profess to be a Christian, who would say, I am of the way, am a follower of Jesus. That what is the laws that govern this citizenship? What are the laws that govern this kingdom? Because in every kingdom, every nation, there are laws that govern that nation. And so there are laws that govern the kingdom of God. And so what we find here in the Sermon on the Mount, which consists of chapters 5, 6, and 7 of the Gospel of Matthew, we find that the king is also allowing us to peer into the laws of the kingdom. He opened up in the Beatitudes and let us know what it was like to be part of the kingdom and what blessings came with it. Then we moved to where Jesus allowed the people to understand that I'm not coming here to do away with the law, but I'm coming to fulfill it. And he said that the law was permanent and preeminent, that he said that the earth and the heavens will pass away before one tittle or one jot of the law shall pass away. But then after he sets up the permanence and the preeminence of the law, he comes back to reset the law to where it should be. See, what he had noticed and had observed is that the religious leaders who were supposed to be teaching the people about the law and how it's supposed to operate, they were teaching them a tradition that they had come up with. They had taken the written law and come up with their own oral traditions and they were teaching those instead of teaching the truth of the law of God. So the king of kings, the lord of lords, Us now here in the midst of his people to reset the the controls, to to set back the temperature to where it should be. The barometer had gotten off, but Jesus is getting it back to the level at which it should be. So when we look at our text, just in this same uh, passage of scripture, right before it, we talks about murder. He allows us to see who a murderer really is. He allows us to realize that murder is more than just the act of taking somebody's life. But he said the standard is higher than this, that the standard is if whoever is angry with his brother, then you are a murderer. But Jesus, what he's calling out is he's calling out the fact that there is a heart condition. He's saying that murder starts in the heart. Though you have not committed the act, there are many ways that manifest itself to show that you have a heart that is a murderess. You have a heart that without Jesus, There is no way to contain it, and it does all manners of evil in which it desires. So he allows us to see nobody's getting away with it. Nobody can stand and say, well, at least I'm not a murderer. See, that's what they were doing. They were using murderer as the litmus test for whether or not you were righteous or not. And Jesus said, though you have not taken someone's life physically, You have slandered their name by saying rocker. Or you have called them a fool and judged them. Because when they said fool to somebody, they were basically judging them into hell. Because the Bible says, a fool says in his heart, there is no God. And when a fool says there is no God, then that's no relationship with God. And though the end will be judgment and eternal fire in hell. So now we see that the standard has been raised beyond the physical act, but how you feel in your heart. So now we move on here to adultery. And we have to ask the question, who is An adulterer. Jesus says in verse 27, you have heard. But in verse 28, but I say. See, Jesus is saying now, men have said one thing, but I say another. Jesus said as king, let's get the record straight. What does it really mean to be an adulterer? You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. In our definition of adultery, it is when a married person has sexual relations with somebody else who is not in that marriage covenant. Amen. Whether the other person is married or not, if either of the two parties are married, then that is adultery. That's how we see it in our law, in the world's law, in the world system. That's how we see adultery. And in this time, that's how the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the scribes were promoting it as well. But there's a greater authority than them, and that is the king himself, Jesus, who says, let me get the record straight. Let let me fix this. You have said, but I say that whoever looks at a woman to lust on her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus is talking to the religious leaders, the men of the religious sect. Because he knows that's what they have been teaching is that it's just the act. You've got to get all the way to the physical act of adultery. The sexual relationship. But Jesus says, no. The bar's a little higher than that. Because if you look at the text... Look closely at verse 28. Jesus says, but I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, at first glance, you will see this text and you will say, okay, the person has looked and has seen The the man has looked and seen this attractive woman and then he's began to think about these lustful thoughts. They'd be gone. But if you look closely at verse 28, that's not what Jesus is saying at all. Jesus is raising the bar up a whole lot higher than that. Because if you look in verse 28, it says that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her, If we could rewrite this in today's vernacular, we would say, and whoever will go looking for a woman in order to satisfy his lusts has already committed adultery in his heart. Before the man ever went or saw a woman His already desire was to commit adultery before he had a woman or to have an object to commit adultery with. So Jesus is saying it's a heart condition. The Pharisees and the leaders wanted to make it be an outward manifestation, an outward act. Oh, you're not adulterous until you've actually committed it. Jesus is saying, no, you have it in your heart before you even have a woman in order to commit it with. Because it's a heart condition. He who goes looking for a woman in order to put his adulterous lustful thoughts on has already committed adultery. So Jesus raises that bar way up. He changes the standard that they have set. But even though he's dealing with men here in this text with those leaders, it can go from women as well. If women have the same thoughts about being with another man and they're married, it already started before you ever found the man because it's in the heart. It's not the fact that the externals caused you to. It's the fact that the lust. And sinful desires were already in there in the first place. Jesus raises the ball. When the man says, but the devil made me do it. Well, you wanted to do it before the devil ever got started. That's why it's so easy for him. Because it's built into you in the first place. The sinful desires. That's what Jesus is saying. And Jesus is allowing each and every one of us to know that the problem is in our hearts. And without him, we have no answer to this problem. And though we now have trusted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we're still wrestling with the sins that so easily beset us. But what it also allows us to see is that we can't do this on our own. There is no way to deal with this sin issue and that's the sin issue with all its manifestations because murder and adultery are just symptoms of the root cause. The root cause is sinful hearts. Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? One of us can say today in our lives as we go through the experiences of our life, we have been deceived by our hearts. When we have thought that we have gotten past something and that problem does not cause us any issue anymore, we have found ourselves being tripped up in the issues of sin that we thought we had gotten past. Years might have gone by and we had no trouble at all. And all of a sudden, the right formula comes together, the right experiences, and bam, there we are. We have sinned in a way that we thought we were over. We thought we had conquered because the heart is deceitful. As long as we're on this earth living in these bodies, we're going to have to deal with the flesh. We're going to have to deal with these hearts of deception. And so for the believer, it calls us out to be humble. To realize that we haven't overcome nothing unless we've overcome it in the Lord. And that we need the Lord every step of the way for every decision and every step we make. Because without him, our hearts will deceive us and we will do things we have no business doing. Jesus raises the bar back up. When the Pharisees and Sadducees and the scribes want to bring it down to a level of external act, Jesus brings it back up and says, no, it don't start after you shot Joey and he died. It don't start after you laid down with Susie and got her pregnant. It started in your heart. It's a heart condition. And I come to take care of that. I didn't come to uphold your self-righteous ways and your own traditions. I came to bring the law back to where it's supposed to be. And so here we are grappling with the matters of the heart. Which causes me to think about a story of a young athlete. He was practicing to be a high jumper. And day after day, he tried to overcome the pole, but he kept hitting it. He would run and he would jump as hard as he could, but yet he couldn't get over the pole, but he would hit it. And so he talked with his coach and his coach was telling him about what the, what the qualifications were going to be and that there was a certain level that he had to reach, a certain footage in order to be qualified. So the young man goes back and he keeps working at it, and he keeps with all he can to overcome the pole. But the more he did it, the more times he hit the pole and knocked it down. The coach kept telling him about the qualifications and gave him techniques, and he tried to use them, but he still couldn't get over the pole. So one day he was practicing and the coach came by and said, how's it going? He says, well, I'm doing good, coach. I've been able to get over the pole. Well, what had happened was the young man had taken the pole and brought it down some notches. And so he brought it down some notches below the qualifications that the coach gave and he started leaping over it. And so he was able to leap over that successfully, and he said, well, I'm all right now. I'm able to get over the pole, so coach, I'm ready to go to the meet. So the coach said, okay, if you're ready to go, here are the qualifications, here's the techniques I've given you, now you say you're ready, let's go. So the meet came. And then everybody in all his competition was in the meet, And now it was time for him to do his high jump. And then he got there and the pole was set not where he set it, but where the qualified point was. So he ran with all his might and he tried to get over the pole, but he knocked it down once again. But the judge was there and the judge understood the qualification and the judge had the power to say qualified Or disqualified to the young man he said you didn't reach the qualified height so you are disqualified even though he had decided in his own heart that he would lower it in practice so that it looked like he was reaching the threshold when he really got to the meat when he got to the place where the truism would be found they set the bar where it should have been And he was disqualified. That's what Jesus is saying about these and us who try to change God's law to fit our own selves. God says, don't do this. Don't do this. Here's the issue. Here's what you need. And we add our own to bring it down. Adultery may be all right if my wife ain't treating me right. Murder may be all right because he was talking crazy to me and he was messing with my money. See, that's what we do in the world. We try to justify according to our own self-righteousness instead of the law of God. But all the times in our lives, we make these kind of excuses and we lower the bar. On our jobs, we might say, "Oh well, I can take this pencil and I can take this pen," and because, after all, I mean, it's, I'm just borrowing it. No, you're not borrowing it. You're taking it home to use at home, and you're stealing it. We lower the bar, but God raises it back up. But in the last day, the judge is going to be there, and he's going to say whether or not you qualified or disqualified. But I see in the story something else that's even sweeter. In the story, there was a teammate on this young man's team who said, Well, let me, if you would, Judge, if you, if you would just do this for me, would you let me take his place? Would, would you let me do the high jump for him? Let me be a substitute. And for one reason or another, the judge said, okay, you can take his place. So the man ran with all his might and he leaped up over the pole and he cleared it. And the judge said, qualify. But he was being the substitute for the young man. And so now, instead of it being the qualification of the one who finished it, because he was substituting, the one who couldn't gets the place. The coach was the law. Because the law did not have the power to give that young man the strength to get over, but all it could do is tell him the techniques and the qualifications. The judge... Is our God because you know it's appointed unto man wants to die and then the judgment and then at that day God will say whether you are qualified or disqualified whether you enter into the kingdom or you're excluded and you're going into outer darkness but I love that one who was the substitute I love that teammate who said let me take his place that teammate that had the power to get up over the bar and his name is Jesus You know as well as I know that we could not meet the qualifications of the law. But God, through his son Jesus, sent him down through 42 generations. Hallelujah, by and by.
2: And he had the
0: power to fulfill the law. The Bible says, for us uh, that we might have a right to be the righteousness of God in him ain't that good news children uh, that he has been our substitute uh, and we can get over the bar because we're in him Uh, hallelujah and so today saints of God I'm saying uh, these issues of the heart. The only way to overcome them is to overcome them in Jesus. We can go to all of the teachers. We can go to all of the surgeons, but nobody can fix what only Jesus can fix. He can fix a heart because he's a heart fixer and a mind regulator. And one of these days he's coming back for a church without spot or blemish. Because one Friday evening, he was the substitute for you and for me. He was the substitute that died on that old rugged cross from the third to the ninth hour. But the story didn't end now. They took him down off that cross and they put him in a burial tomb. Three days later, he got up with all power in his hand that's good news children because we don't serve a dead Jesus but he's alive and risen indeed and one of these days he's coming back yes he is for you and for me in that great getting up morning I'm looking forward to that day when I don't have to wrestle with this flesh no more that great getting up morning when I shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye ain't that good news children that one of these days he's sure to come back for you and for me God bless you and God keep you Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. And at this time, the doors of the church are open. There may be somebody here who's like that little boy, that athlete who was given with all their might to try to get qualified. And after a while, you've tried and tried to do what you can do, and you've found you've had the of the bar, You've had to make excuses and justify yourself. But the reality is, you can't do it on your own. The qualifications still stand. But there is one, and his name is Jesus. If you give your heart to him, you give your mind, your soul into obedience, he will take your place and do for you what you cannot do for yourself. He'll get you over the hurdles. Of the sin qualification and get you into glory. You have to come right now.
1: It's just me and you.
0: It's a personal relationship. You don't have to be there. Mm-hmm. My Lord. You can talk to him today.
1: And ask you for your guidance. Mm-hmm. Especially today.
0: Especially today.
1: When my mind is so cloudy, guide me until I'm sure. I open mm-hmm. my
0: heart. Open up your heart to the Lord today. He's willing to save you. Give your life to the Lord.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. That's why open my Amen. Amen. And the things that we may want to do for people in our community... It must first come out of a heart that desires. We don't want to just do it because it's something we can check off our list. Well, I helped that person or I gave to that family. We want to have hearts that desire to see people better. We want to be a friend to the friendless. Amen. We don't just want to be those that go along and say, well, here's another notch. Here's another good deed that I've done. No, it's because we really care. And that's what Jesus is getting at with sin, is that it's a heart condition. And whether we're doing good things or whether we're doing bad, they all start with a heart condition. Amen? Amen. 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 So if if all minds and hearts are clear, we are going to uh, get ready for our benediction and our offering. Amen? Amen. Let us stand.
2: Amen where Dear
0: Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for all that you have spoken to us on this day. Lord, thank you for the authority of your word, O God. Lord, thank you for revealing your thoughts to us in your word. Lord, thank you for leaving us your word that we might have guidance and direction, O God. Lord, without your word, we are just pantering in the darkness. We're just groping for direction, but we cannot find. But, Lord, your word is a light unto our path. It is a lamp unto our feet. Lord, that we can walk right and we can talk right. Lord, thank you for this day, O God. Lord, thank you for every saint under the sound of my voice. And, Lord, as we go from this place to our prospective homes, Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that you put your holy heads around them and keep them from all hurt, harm, and danger. And Lord, as we prepare for our tithes and our offerings, oh God. Lord, I ask that you bless it, oh God. Lord, put your stamp of approval on it, oh God. And Lord, use it the way you would have it to be used. Lord, touch our hearts and our minds and lead us and direct us. In our benevolence, in our building, Lord, in all things gospel, Lord, you direct us. And Lord, we're so happy, Lord, that you have given us a place to come together as a family and to lift up your name. Lord, help us through our challenges with our gas, Lord, and with our challenges with our electric and our air conditioning. But, Lord, I know that with you all things are possible. Lord, we don't have no doubt that we're going to get it all done because we know that you are way out of nowhere. So, Lord, thank you right now in the name of Jesus in advance because it's already done. Lord, we lift you up for you are worthy to be praised. These things we ask in the blessed name of Jesus and the whole church sang,
2: Amen. Please be seated
0: and obey the ushers. Amen. Come around and shake my hand.